Talk Radio 96.7. Yeah, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O, no Coach Joe tonight. He's out on assignment, so just Ronnie O going solo tonight on your radio. Well, a lot of stuff happening in football, basketball, you name it right now. Well, the best news is that the Bills defensive back, DeMar Hamlin, has begun to awake today, and they say that he is recognizing people. He remains in critical condition, but he's grasping people's hand, and he recognizes people, and he is able to speak, although they have a tube down his throat, so he's not doing much speaking, but he's able to uh, write and uh, they don't think that there was brain damage, which is wonderful. Well, I mentioned basketball. The Gator basketball team not doing real well this year, 7-7 seven and seven at this point, having lost to Texas A&M the other night in Gainesville. And in a strange occurrence, Texas A&M forgot their jerseys at the hotel. So they were given a technical foul. The Gators started off with a free throw, made it, and they still lost by three points, 66-63, to Texas A&M, who's not a great team either. Well, coming up this Saturday on WNN 107.1, right down the dial, 12.30 a.m., the Gators are going to be back in Gainesville. They're going to take on the Georgia Bulldogs and their old coach, Mike White. And then Tuesday, the 10th, they'll be at LSU. The tip is 7 p.m. for that and the pregame will be half an hour before that. The Saturday tip is at 1 p.m. So a lot of stuff going on. I want to congratulate the legendary Lakeland High Dreadnought football coach, Bill Castle, on his retirement. Tuesday, he announced that he was retiring after 52 years at the school. He is the winningest coach in the history of Florida high school football all time. How about that? And he won eight state championships. Seven of those teams were undefeated. The only team that lost a game in the playoffs that won a state championship was in 1986. They lost to Auburndale, and that was, team was led by Billy Deeds, Hesham Ishmael, and also Terrence Barber, who all went on to the University of Florida. And um, that team probably won. They were in different classifications but that Auburndale team probably would have won a championship too had it not been for the fact they had to go up and play a Pensacola-Escambia team led by none other than Emmett Smith. So give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Or if you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. We'd love to have you call in, love to hear what you've got to say. We're coming up on an interview that I was able to tape earlier with Tim Fisher, who is, uh, he's the, I guess you'd call him the groundskeeper for Raymond James Stadium. And he has some fascinating things to tell us uh, that I didn't realize about the turf over there and uh, some of the things going on, what they have to do to prepare not only for football games, but there's so many different things that occur in Raymond James Stadium. There's, of course, the Bucks. The University of South Florida plays there. You've got bowl games. 
And each one of those requires preparation on the part of Tim Fisher and his crew. And uh, they once had to replace the turf in 36 hours between games. How about that? And he'll tell you all about that coming up. He wanted me to say, um, you might not know this, but the turf that is in Raymond James Stadium is grown right here in Imperial Polk County over in Fort Meade by Quality Turf. And they don't go out of state either for their fertilizer. They get it from Turf Solutions up in Homosassa. So Tim wanted me to be sure and include that. So certainly Quality Turf in Fort Meade, man, uh, I didn't realize that it was born here or raised here in uh, Imperial Polk County. Well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a break, and we're going to listen to that interview with Tim Fisher. When we come back, we'll be talking sports. You're listening to Ronnie O in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Uh, this is Coach Dale Brown, and you're fortunate enough to be listening to Ronnie Ocean on the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7, Ronnie O, Coach Joe in the Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Ronnie O earlier this week caught up with Tim Fisher of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are blessed to have with us Tim Fisher of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the hardest working man in show business. Tim, what are your title and duties with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, Ronnie, I'm the facilities manager for the grounds and I'm actually with the Tampa Sports Authority although I work closely with the Buccaneers because I maintain their game day field that sounds pretty that sounds pretty easy and yet it's not Um, (laughs) you, you gave me a lesson in how difficult your job actually is when you guys host in football the USF Bulls, of course the Bucks, and the Gasparilla Bowl. Now, you actually changed the turf out. It, it occurred to me when I'm watching these games, you know, it must be pretty hard to paint over those logos, but that's not what happens at all. Take us through the most difficult transition you've had in the last couple of years in going from, say, a college game to a Bucks game. Yeah, and that. Actually, just I can go as recent as this past uh, New Year's weekend. Uh, most recently, we we went from uh, Buccaneers versus the Panthers to the ReliaQuest Bowl overnight, and so that means we had to remove all of the Buccaneer logos from the field, which would be both end zones, the 50-yard line, and the NFL shields at the 25-yard lines. And then immediately follow that up by laying out stencils for the ReliaQuest Bowl logos, which were at the both end zones. We had Mississippi State on the north end, which took the entire end zone. And on the south was the Illini logo, which was a little bit smaller, so uh, didn't take up as much room. And then we also had to add an additional two logos to the 25-yard line, so we actually had four logos on field and so the most difficult part of that is we have to hit the ground running as soon as the Buccaneers game was over in order to meet our timeline and actually have paint to dry uh, you know we we were we were out there in less than an hour 
after the Bucks game to clear the field, start removing sod. And as the, the sod was removed and replaced, we were right there to lay out our stencils and uh, get the logo painting going. Tim, one of the fascinating things that you told me it was that there's different types, it's different grass from the middle of the field as you go to the sidelines. Yeah, and we we have uh, what we we grow, and we'll do the whole field to start the season out. It's uh, called a stabilized sod, and it is uh, it's premium grass. It's still Bermuda grass, it's, it, but it's grown with U.S. GA sand, uh, it's top dressed several times during its lifespan. And so your playing surface outside of the six foot border that goes around the field, when, when we have to replace that, we'll go with the, it's the same again, type of grass. Um, but obviously it's not as expensive per se, as the, as the playing surface that the players are actually playing on. Same grass, just a slightly different uh, method of how they grow it. Um, and then usually end of October and end of November, we actually overseed the Bermuda grass with uh, rye grass because uh, it helps to uh, supplement the turf because in the wintertime, the Bermuda grass tends, you know, it wants to go dormant. Uh, this year, we've been luckily the weather's been really mild, and and the, the Bermuda grass has has really pushed through this winter really really great. And so we've had really good success with our field between the Bermuda grass and the rye grass combining together, and uh, keeping a nice tight and uh, safe footing for the players. You know, one of the fascinating things I saw was how you actually put the grass down. It's not. Uh, one-foot squares of sod, it's on rolls. Talk a little bit about how the, the grass is actually put down. Yeah, when it comes in, we, we uh, it's, it's usually wrapped in a plastic to protect it from the environment, from the farm to the stadium. And uh, we have a machine that they call we call sod busters. And that machine will take that roll of sod, uh, which is like a roll of carpet, if you know you want to think about that, and the machine when you lay it down, it's also a netting on the grass. So what it kind of rolls backwards as you roll it out, and the rolls are four foot by sixteen feet long, so that you know they're super heavy, obviously. So when they go down, once they're down, and then we have a machine called a sidekick that has a hydraulic plate that you put down on the soil side of the the new sod and, and we and we push it all together which compresses it uh to the point where that sod is not going to move you could drive a vehicle across there and and it's not going to move so uh it's, it's just a and what goes into that too is we do a pre-plant uh once we clear the sod you know we put down some fertilizer that helps the the root uh stimulates root growth and and gets it uh, going so within a week's time we've already got roots holding it down as well so it, it's really a, a solid surface however it also maintains the softness that we need to keep so that again player safety um, you know we have things that we test it with so that 
if it's too hard, we can do things to minimize that and, and keep it to the, uh, the level that keeps all the players safe. Right, and I know annually you guys are one of the top fields in the NFL by vote of the players, so obviously you're doing a great job. How thick is the sod that you're laying down? Yeah, thank you. Um, generally, it's any. it depends on if we're removing any of the – uh, profile per se of the of the field or whatnot but generally it's two inches thick um and that top that top layer of turf is is you know with the stolons and and whatnot it's a half inch thick just the grass itself and then you have your stolen level and then the root level of, you know there at the soil so uh yeah it's only only two inches thick well, you know, another thing that fascinated me was you were talking about you've hosted three Super Bowls. Now, what is your role there? I know the NFL takes primary responsibility for the Super Bowls, but talk a little bit about how you work with them. Uh, yeah, they uh, they come in. The NFL has a crew um, that they they handpick throughout all the uh, the teams. Uh, you know, all 32, they get together and, and, uh, and, uh, they have a really great crew that I've actually been a part of. I was able to do, um, a Super Bowl in Los Angeles with them. And so what they do is come in and they, they take it from top to bottom, uh, cradle to grave. Uh, we put in a new field, they groom it, they get it, uh, all the seams to grow together from the sod so that, you know, solid playing surface. And then start to paint. And uh, when they come to my house and do that, what we do for them is is basically logistics and help them. You know, if there's anything they need uh, equipment-wise that they don't already have, and or you know, fuel for for their equipment or you know, whatever it might be. If there's something they need, we're here to support them. And also with a crew, if you know. A guy's not feeling well. A couple of guys don't feel well on their crew, and and we have the availability. Our guys are ready to jump right in and and uh, help do what they need to do. You, football is not the only thing you host there. Talk a little bit about what happens in the event of a concert. Yeah, so similar to a back to back with football games, we do have concerts here because we are a you know multi event facility. So. What would happen there is a lot of times we have to remove the south end zone stands. We call them the retractables. So what they do is they come out of the stadium, and that opens up an area where for a concert, the stage and backstage, all that would be built there. And then what we with the field, we cover it with a flooring that allows you know semi trucks to unload equipment, uh, cranes to help build the stage, and uh, all those things can come out onto the field on top of the flooring, uh, build what they have to build. Uh, we have the concert. We were responsible for setting the field. We put out stairwells at all of our uh, egress, you know, stairwells for the, the uh, field. And then afterwards, it's the reverse. So all the trucks and everything come back in. They take the stage up. Uh, we pull up the flooring and... A lot of times, the well, there's two different types of flooring. You have the drivable flooring, 
And then you also have a pedestrian flooring. So the pedestrian flooring, we can take up and rehabilitate the field right away. The drivable, because it supports so much weight of the vehicles and the metal of the stage and all that, a lot of times the grass is too far gone to, to rehab. So what we have to do then is, you know, get the square footage we need and it gets cut out and then replaced with new grass. And then, so everything's in reverse. Uh, the stands go back in and then the sod goes back in after that. And then we're back to zeros and ready to paint for, for another football game. Well, no, I not... believe coming up this year, we have a couple of those actually where we're going to, uh, at the beginning of football season in August, we have a concert. I think there's two concerts uh, where we will have to remove everything, build a stage, remove, take it back off, replace the grass, and paint for a football, and then the following week do it again. Wow. So you're not planning on a lot of sleep during that period, right? No, me or my crew. Yeah, we – we uh, and when we do sleep, we're on site. Uh, you know, we've got – We've got cots and things like that. The, the guys are some guys have hammocks that, uh, just like the <laughs> concert guys, they put hammocks under the uh, backstage. They will hang hammocks and uh, you know spend the night, and that way uh, we're what, just here. <laughs> what, what about a um, monster truck rally? What what do you do for that? Uh, same thing. We so. For that, we you know we bring down our goalposts. We remove the irrigation from the field, just all the all the spray heads, um, the you know the piping. Everything stays on the ground. Uh, the uh, the promoter comes in, and what they do is just cover the field. Uh, it's a multi-layer covering uh, between bisqueen and and plastic sheathing that's like plywood on steroids but it's you know a, a thick plastic and so they cover that all and then actually we have the dirt here on site of our site in one of our parking lots it's kind of a big mound out there that people park on all football season long but when that's over their excavators and dump trucks load all that dirt up and bring <laughs> it into the stadium and dump it no and then they make their yeah they make their track out of all that paint it you know add their their obstacles and all they do. And then again, it's a reverse thing. So after they have to remove all the dirt, scrape it down to that covering level, uh, and then remove that. And, uh, they have sweepers. I mean, you name it when they're done, uh, it's amazing how clean it is. And then when they pick their sheathing up, so now we have a field and also depends on how long. So if it's only down for three days and all that weight, a lot of times we can rehab that field. It, that that Bermuda grass is is very aggressive and loves the Florida Central Florida environment for sure. It sometimes can grow back, but more than often we end up uh, removing that field. Uh, they come in and and scrape it off, and they recycle all of that. The farm does, and then uh, put a brand new field down, and we and we grow it in and get ready for football. Wow, Tim, we certainly appreciate you being with us. Um, and we certainly want to wish your child bride a happy birthday tomorrow. Oh, that's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, she, uh, yep, she's uh, excited. Her children are flying in to visit her at the same time. It was supposed to be a surprise, but one of them couldn't uh, couldn't keep it a secret, I guess. But <laughs> she's, she's still happy nonetheless. 
So oh, <laughs> I man. appreciate that. I I hope you have a happy new year. Yes, sir. You too. And thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it, Tim. Yes, sir, Ronnie. I appreciate it too. Talk Radio 96.7, howling at the moon because we can actually see it. And talking sports in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie Ocean back in the Ozone, bringing in my grandson, Robbie Ocean. Robbie, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Just ready to talk about some college football. All right, let's do that. Well, Monday night, we're going to have the championship coming up. Uh, how do you see that? Well, I, th- I think it's going to be a better game than Vegas thinks. You know, I-, I wasn't a believer in TCU going into the playoffs, but they proved me wrong. Well, they certainly but... did a great job against Michigan. I think one of the things that people had called them out on is they didn't think they were physical. Well, I think Michigan will have an entirely different opinion of that after what they did to them, they rushed for like 260 yards and they moved the ball very easily. But I think Michigan was a little bit overrated. I mean, when you look at it, they played two teams that were ranked, Penn State at 10 and Ohio State at 2 when they played them. And they started out the season with Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. Um, have you looked at their schedule? I, I have. Um, they, they played six teams over 500. And as you said, only two that were ranked. So it, that really just doesn't look that all that good, you know. And most of those teams, they, they weren't very solid above 500 teams. Only really Ohio State and Penn State were really the solid teams they played. Well, the Big Ten, I think, was down this year. I think it's it's pretty easy to see that. And you basically had those two really good teams. And, and you know, you can't knock them too much because most conferences are top-heavy, and certainly the Big Ten was this year. But, you know, like, for example, they beat Iowa 27-14. to 14. Iowa had an offensively challenged football team. You know, if you've ever seen nepotism, Kirk Ferentz's son Brian is the offensive coordinator there. Might be the worst father-son combination since Bobby Bowden and Jeff Bowden when he was at Florida State. And uh, I think probably the only thing that's keeping Brian Ferentz in a job there is the fact that Mama Ferentz probably wants him to have that job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's just he's horrible. I mean, I always had one of the worst offenses since he's been there in the league. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, you know, um, the Florida Gators, I think, have a lot of hope coming up. They had a, a very good, maybe not a great recruiting year, but they did bring in um, Jaden Rashada, who is a five-star quarterback uh, out of Pittsburgh, California, and there's a lot of talk about him. Uh, i tell you, one of the, the things that I think is very significant is Sam Hartman is going to Notre Dame and I really am a big Sam Hartman fan. What do you think of Sam Hartman going from Wake Forest to Notre Dame? I think that that's going to be a huge difference for Notre Dame because Notre, you know, Notre Dame they that's one of the things they were missing this year. They didn't for a good portion of the year they didn't really have a great quarterback, and you know you saw what they could do against Clemson, who's a solid football team. So I think Sam Hartman might be the final piece that Notre Dame needs. Will they beat Georgia? Probably not. But. <laughs> 
Uh, well, you know, Georgia next year won't have the mailman. Stetson Bennett is going to graduate finally. He's probably already graduated. He's probably getting a Ph.D. as long as he's been there. If you want to give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you'd like to give us a call, we're talking a little bit about college football right now. Well, um, you know, they're going to play the championship out in SoCal uh, Stadium out in Los Angeles. And that's a long way for those Georgia fans to go. And I think probably, you know, they, well, they had it pretty easy because they were able to go to the Georgia Dome for the, the last game. And then um, it won't be quite as far for the TCU fans to go. But uh, one of the neat things I saw was that they called them the underfrogs, uh, like underdogs. And uh, I thought that was pretty good. Or hypnofrogs, they, they call them. They hypnotize them and uh, – you know, I, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, uh, I made all my Georgia friends at school aware that I'd be rooting for TCU. Um, <laughs> oh, you got a bunch of Georgia friends there. Uh, I, I've got, I've got a couple. Are they bandwagoners, or they've been Georgia fans for a long time? No, I think they've been Georgia fans for a long time. The few that I know. Well, you have to admire that. That's. That's all right. I mean, misguided, certainly, but it's okay if, um, you know, maybe someday you can convert them. Maybe you can save them from themselves. Yeah, um, well, uh, one thing that I wanted to look at with the championship was that 13-point spread, and I think that that's going to benefit TCU and to motivate them. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think TCU has a lot of intangibles going their way. One of the things that I think they really have in their favor is that you know, both teams have quarterbacks that are sort of cut out of the same mold. And uh, you know, I, I just think Max Duggan should have won the Heisman Trophy, in my estimation, but he didn't. I agree. And um, you know, the mailman Stetson Bennett. You know, people have doubted him his entire career. Walk on left Georgia, came back, and, um, you know, he's proven everybody wrong at every turn. But Max Duggan's kind of the same guy, maybe a little more talented physically. I agree. And uh, one thing is that, you know, a lot of the Georgia players, they, they've got a ring already, and I think that they know that there's a chance that if they're not leaving this year, they'll probably be back. Those TCU players, I think they know there's a good chance they probably won't be back there again. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, uh, you know, certainly complacency can set in if you've won before. Um, or you could look at it like, well, they've been there, they know what to expect, and are the TCU players going to come in wide-eyed and, you know, be thinking about, wow, we're glad to be here. What What do you think? How do you assess that? Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, Georgia's been there before, multiple. Uh, you know, they were there last year. You know, they they were there in 2017. Obviously, not the same players, but you know, the program knows what they're doing. And TCU, that, I mean, they've just never had that ever at their program. So they're, I mean, I think, but they do know what's at stake. So, uh, Robbie Ocean, we've got a caller in one of our favorites, Daryl. How you doing tonight? You're on with Ronnie Ocean and Robbie Ocean. Really? Yeah. This I, I tell you, well, let me tell you, I'm I'm calling I'm calling in trying to find out where we are in Gainesville, in that dumpster fire that we call the 
the athletic program. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm becoming more and more concerned about Scott Strickland that maybe he brought Starkville to Gainesville. What do I you think, think you Robbie did. Ocean? Uh, yeah, I agree. I thought uh, the basketball team, Todd Golden, that was a weak hire. You know, there was, there was more out there to go after. And we're a very historic basketball program. We're not a team that's not done anything in basketball. Daryl, you know, what do you think? Well, I watched, I've watched the basketball team three times now. Um, there are so many transfers in that I, I have a hard time fo- following the names. That's not a good situation. That situation has gone from mediocre to bad, in my opinion. I think um, I think Mike White was struggling to keep it going. I think I don't. I'm not an expert, but I think this is what happened with Mike White when he saw how they treated Dan Mullen. I think his dad, who was an athletic director at Duke, told Mike, "Get out now." This yeah, I think you're right. Sta- this is not a stable situation. This is not a good situation. Scott Strickland is a disaster. He's an absolute disaster. But what you're going to start seeing is look from the top to bottom in all the athletic sports, men's and women's. And the next one under a microscope is the baseball team. They're coming around here and shortly. And what, what's their situation going to be this year? I don't know. They're highly ranked. So, you know, Sully's been a great <laughs> recruiter since he's been there. And uh, we've had him on the show several times. He just had a birthday not too long ago. Oh, he's done a tremendous job. He's done a tremendous job in, in, in getting the team and, and, and putting them in a position where they can be successful. But that doesn't seem to be what's driving this boat right now. And I don't get it. What, what, I don't get do it mean, at all. You don't you don't think the baseball program's where it needs to be, or I think are you talking about I the program overall? It to be. My question is: is what is what what are the decision points that are going to be made going forward on him? Because I want to tell you, and you know how I feel about this. If you put if considering the decision points that were made that cost Dan Mullen his job, and in my opinion, that's what sent Mike White packing. If you use those same decision points, there's not a coach out there that wouldn't be nervous about what's going on. Well, and if they bring somebody new in and he didn't hire you, then you could have a big problem. Um, You know, they haven't done all that well since they moved into the new ballpark. No, they haven't. But now, again, you're looking at two – Two seasons at least of COVID, which had all the strange rules and everything else going on. You can't use those years as a judge for for a program going forward. And when you do, you end up with what we have. You yeah, end you, up with what we have. You can't keep changing coaches. No, There's you no cannot. About that. You can't. You cannot change coaches like that. Robbie, we, we run off. We've run off, in my opinion, two good coaches and replaced them with mediocre people. And I I don't think – I'm going to be honest with you. I've said it from the beginning, and I still see it. Billy Napier is average at best, and he has spent a ton of money, and we have nothing to show for it at this point. Well, yeah, I've got to give him a little more time. I've got to give Golden more time. What do you think, Robbie Ocean? Well, one thing I wanted to say is with Mullen – one of the big reasons that he got thrown out, that he got fired, was probably not starting Anthony Richardson. 
And you look at him this year, he was watching him in practice every day, and he saw the inconsistency. And that's probably why Anthony Richardson didn't start. And no one else saw that, and we wanted – and I, I'll i be the first to say, I wanted him out of there. I thought Richardson should have started last year. Well, Kyle now Trask. Look at it without, without inconsistency he's been, I think Mullen would have been right. Mullen was right that Emory Jones, he wasn't – he's horrible. Henry Jones was horrible, too, but Richardson should have been starting. Well, or, Kyle uh, Trask never would have started if it hadn't been for an injury. Yeah, that's true. He, he, and I understood those things happen, but I want to tell you there was a telling comment that was made with regard to Billy Napier, and I think it was during the bowl game, which was just an absolute disaster. He said, from now on, he said, you look at these coaches, you know they're going to be compared against? They're going to compare it against the TCU coach who came in and turned it around in one year. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, guys, we're out of time for this segment, but I appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you, Robbie Ocean. Daryl, as always, thank you. And tell Cody we said hello. Cody, Cody, always looking for you down there at PDQ. When does he work? I need to go down there and Mondays see Mondays and Fridays. Okay. Mondays and Fridays. All right, we'll try and get down there to get him. I know Robbie Ocean um, – has met Cody, and uh, we always have fun with him. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean and Robbie Ocean on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Coach Pat Dye, and I'm the retired coach at Auburn University, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O, Coach Joe in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7 brought to you by Allied Scrap processors all right no right now you're sitting out there you're hungry you're thirsty you cannot wait for that 30 dollars gift certificate to miller's lakeland ale house well the wait is over if you haven't won in the last six months give us a call 682-1430 that's 682-1430 now again if you haven't won in the last six months Bill Castle retired as the winningest high school football coach in Florida high school football history as the head coach of the Lakeland Dreadnoughts. How many state championships did he win? Was it A, 3, B, 8, or C, 1? 682-1430. Give us a call. Robbie Ocean and I are sitting here waiting on your call, as is the legendary Clarkster. And he's sitting over there, and he will give you a ride on his yacht. If, if I had win. one, I'd do it. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, Robbie Ocean, would you like a ride on uh, the legendary Clarkster's yacht? I, w- I would enjoy that, yeah. you got to have one first. Well, you know, he's also got a Learjet, too. And, uh, in fact, he's got a fleet of them. You know, he doesn't like to talk about it because people are always wanting his autograph and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the legendary Clarkster is just – He's known far and wide around the world, really, as uh, one of the all-time greats. I think we're getting a call here. I think somebody's hungry and thirsty already. So um, we're awaiting to find out who that is and see if they know the answer to our sports quiz. All right. John, how are you tonight? Pretty good. Uh, you hungry and thirsty? Yeah, it's eight. It's eight. You're exactly right. You are exactly right. If you were listening earlier, I said that. And um, so, are you a Dreadnought fan? I'm a Bartow. I have four men in Bartow. All right. Well, they have great programs as well. And um, 
And uh, Bill Castle came to Lakeland from Lake City along with Paul Quinn, who later went coached at Bartow, where he won a state championship there. And uh, I know Fort Meade has had some great teams. Well, uh, Bill Hyde. Do you remember Bill Hyde? I do. I certainly do. Burdick had a good Indiana coach. I'm sorry? Cornelius. Yeah. Jamel Cornelius. Jamel Cornelius. Yes, sir. I remember he had that um, end around on uh, fake punt against Arkansas in the SEC championship game and got a first down for the Gators and got that game turned around. And uh, he is a fine gentleman. Has great parents. Okay. John, hang on the line. Eric will get your information, and uh, we'll send that out to the uh, uh, Ale House, and you'll have an opportunity to go out there and eat and drink $30 worth on us. How about that? Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Well, we got a sports quiz winner. How about that, Robbie Ocean? Oh, yeah. That's uh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what, well, we try to make it easy here. You know, we don't we don't ask real hard questions. And you know, if he was listening to the show, then uh, he heard me say that earlier. And of those eight state championships, seven of them were undefeated. How about that? Oh yeah, that's uh, it's certainly not easy to come by. And you know, he's really, you know, he's done something that's not do- been done much. You know, eight state championships. That's well, that's a lot. So. Yeah, it's and the all-time record uh, for public schools. Uh, and he's produced many talented players. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. And you know the other thing that sometimes goes unsaid is that he's kept a lot of kids out of trouble. You know, some of those kids come from one-parent families, and some of them are not from the best part of town. And football is a big thing in their life. And, uh, you know, some of them, I've known a couple of them that, you know, ended up on the straight and narrow because of the guidance they got, not just from Bill Castle, but from the assistant coaches and, you know, the discipline they learned through football down there. I know you play a lot of sports, and um, you have to learn discipline to be able to play a sport, right? Yes, sir. I mean, it's it's a big part. You know, you got to have discipline. you got to know how to control yourself, um, whether it's on the court or on the field. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is I think it teaches you uh, teamwork. Uh, that's one of the things that, that I learned from playing sports as a kid is um, that you can't always be the star, and it doesn't matter if you're the star or not. I know you played for me in some uh, flag football games, and uh, we won a Super Bowl and we lost a couple of Super Bowls, but you know, we had some very competitive teams, and um I thought that you uh, you learned a lot about teamwork. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be able to use that in the workplace uh, as I get older. You know, it's a, it's a skill that you it's you know you learn by playing sports, and that's why everyone should play sports as a kid. Yeah, you know, I think there's just so much benefit to it. Um, yeah, to, to play sports as a kid, there's just you, you don't even have to win. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. The benefits are still there that you can learn uh, by playing sports. And uh, well, if you lose, if you lose enough at sports, you don't grow up to be a jerk. You know, you got you got to lose as a kid to um, you got to lose as a kid to you know just develop you know that 
uh, understanding that it's okay to lose. Yeah, exactly. And you're not going to win every time in life. And uh, yeah. that's one of the beautiful things about sports is that when you lose, then you need to go out there and uh, see if you can't get better and improve. And um, that's that's what it takes. That's the way life works. Unfortunately, they're starting to take that away. You know, kids losing, so they're making it harder and harder for them to lose every year. They, you got, you can't just, you just can't do that, you know. Yeah, Robbie Ocean, we appreciate it. Um, we're about out of time, but I appreciate you joining us tonight. You did a great job. All right, appreciate you having me. All right, that's Robbie Ocean, and um, we'll be back in the ozone. Coach Joe's supposed to be back next Thursday evening, eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We'll be right here on WLKF 96.7 in Lakeland, Florida. Where else would you want to be?